Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Today on Query and Company. Joining us now on the program, of course, you see him in virtually any college basketball game you're watching, especially if it's on the Fox families, including the Big Ten Network. Robbie Hummel, the former Purdue Boilermaker, joins us on the program. And Robbie, I'll begin with that. The Rutgers-Purdue matchup tonight, just kind of your perceptions of it, because clearly Purdue is the better team, but Rutgers does play a style, does it not, that might create some sort of a hiccup for the Boilers? Yeah, they've given Purdue plenty of problems over the last couple of years. And I think even if you watch the game back in January, the turnovers force, which has kind of been when Purdue has played poorly this year, they've turned the ball over. That, that's something that, that Rutgers can do and does as well as anybody in the Big Ten. You know, they, they have guards that can get you off the bounce. Jeremiah Williams becoming eligible. You know, think of him as like a, a midseason acquisition in college basketball where he comes in and kind of changes the landscape of their team, eases the burden on Cliff Amore, but he, he can get to the basket. Jamichael Davis can get to the basket. You know, Derek Simpson can do the same. So they, they've got guys where you've got to really contain the bounce and contain the dribble. Um, and then they actually beat Purdue in the rebounding war. And that's something that you have not been able to say about many teams at all this year because Purdue's one of the best rebounding teams in all, all of the country. So they, they do provide some things that, that give Purdue problems. And it's going to be certainly a test to see how the Boilers bounce back here tonight after a tough loss at Columbus. Robbie, I'm going to ask you something that, that I have mentioned over the last couple of days. It's probably not an overly original thought, but I'm curious your thoughts on this, Robbie Hummel. With Purdue... And look, they've had a fabulous year. I mean, it goes without saying. Their resume is as good as anybody in college basketball. But heading down the home stretch here, if there are games that are grind-out games, how much does Purdue start actually battling against its own internal pressure and the whispers of the shortcoming from a year ago? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly got to be something that's thought about. Um, you know, I, I look at this as each, each season is its own entity. And even though a lot of these guys – Certainly went through that last year. Um, they've they've won 22 games. They've only lost three. Their resume speaks for the for itself in terms of the way I look at it. You know, they've beaten Tennessee, they've beaten Gonzaga, they've beaten Marquette, they've beaten Arizona, they, they've beaten some of the best teams in college basketball. Um, so I I don't think that they'll feel that. I think they're taking this one game at a time. Um, and when you've beaten people like that, it has to give you confidence. You know, I, I don't see how it couldn't. When you've looked around the country and said, wow, outside of you know, UConn and maybe a few other teams, these, these are the best teams we could play. Uh, I'd, I'd throw Houston into that mix as well. But I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to feel that. I think that this is just one of those deals where this is a team that's won nine of their last ten games. And because of the way that everything is kind of set up now, whether it's because of Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, uh, and social media, everything kind of gets 
I guess, put under a magnifying glass even more so than when I played or, or before me. Um, but I, I do think that the season, even for the great teams, there, there are ebbs and flows. I, I don't think Purdue has played as well the last two weeks, and that's got to be a, a bit of a concern for Matt Painter, but they, they've still found ways to win in every game except for the Ohio State game. And you look around college basketball, and it's it's just carnage on the road. And even though you, know, you look at UConn, they, Creighton is really good, but they, they go in there and get blasted by 20 points. So I, I don't think it's uncommon to see teams lose road games. Um, but I, I don't think that the pressure is something that they're necessarily feeling. I think they're a pretty confident group. Purdue great. And Fox Sports Big Ten Network analyst Robbie Hummel is our guest. Robbie, I want to stress this on the front end. I think that you have done a great job of overcoming the challenge that a lot of analysts have, which is being as impartial as possible and showing to the audience you're as impartial as possible especially when you're doing Purdue games. I think you do a great job in that regard of just breaking the game down and being, as we're all broadcasters here, objective as possible. That said, I want you to take off that hat for a second and put on the Purdue hat itself because I know how much that program, Coach Painter, mean to you. And we've been talking all year about how good this team is, the expectations around them, trying to right the wrongs from a year ago against Fairleigh Dickinson, and this looking like one of the best teams that Matt Painter has ever had in terms of the chance to make a Final Four run. When you look at that group, do you believe that statement that this team is the most equipped in quite some time and maybe ever in his era? I know your teams would make an argument on that too to make a deep run into March. Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, I want to be biased and say, no, my team would we, – we get these guys. <laughs> but I, I think we'd have a problem uh, with Zach Eady. I, I really do. I, I think this is probably his best team. Um, and certainly there's a couple matchups that would give this group problems. I, I think Etwan Moore would be tough for, for this team to defend with his size and just his ability to score the ball. Um, but, you know, Braden Smith is probably the best point guard, and I love Lewis Jackson, um, who I played with. But I think Braden is the best point guard that Coach Painter has, has had in his time in West Lafayette. And then Zach is just uh, – I don't know how you deal with him. But I, I do think that the addition of Lance Jones, the swagger he brings, the electricity that he plays with in transition um, – you know, that's a guy that, that changes kind of the way you look at this group of guards. Fletcher Lawyer is, I call them combustible, you know, earlier in the season because he gives Tennessee 27, he gives Arizona 27, but the last three games he just, he's looked a little bit lost offensively. You know, he's only taken five threes. He's not efficient from two. They've got to get him going again. That's a big part of, of when this group has really looked its best. I thought that Fletcher Lawyer had a lot to do with that, but yeah, the, the point guard spot, I mean, Brayden Smith, the fact that he didn't make the koozie list, <laughs> the koozie list is terrible. You know, Mark Sears didn't make it either, and you know, I, I don't know how you leave either of those guys off. Um, Jameer Young certainly would have had a case from Maryland as well. But I, I think Braden, had just his improvement, the fact that he's looking for his own offense, and that opens up everything for whether it's their shooters on the perimeter or Edie diving to the rim, that pick-and-roll kind of facet to their offense is something they didn't have. You throw in Lance Jones playing with some transition – and then Edie has just gotten better and better. And I, I know he's dealt with some foul issues here over the last two weeks. And that's something he's got to – has to stay out of foul trouble. And that's, that's something that he had done so well through, I would say, you know, mid or late January. And it's kind of changed a little bit. But the way he runs, you know, the, the skill he shows, his agility, his conditioning, like those things are incredible. I've seen so many seven-foot players – 
who totally suck. <laughs> they just they play because they're big. They're not good basketball players, and, and Zach is just so productive. So it's funny to me to, to hear there's legitimate people that cover college basketball who think he's just big, and I I just man I laugh at that because I've I've seen plenty of seven footers, and, and I would say. Robbie Hummel's our guest. Robbie, by the way, you are on the call tonight for Purdue and Rutgers, true? Yes. Okay, so Robbie Hummel, you can watch him tonight with Purdue and Rutgers. Uh, I want to ask you before uh, we wrap it up here about what's going on in Indiana. I, when you look at Indiana, and you know, I don't know how much you got to see last night with, with Nebraska just, just overall, but um, their problem is what? <laughs> they've got they've got a lot of problems right now. I I don't think that their roster is constructed in a way that you can you know really win at a high level, whether that's in college basketball or the Big Ten Conference currently. You know, their their guard play is not good enough, and part of that is Xavier Johnson's injury has hurt. But I, I you know you can look at the other side of that is he wasn't playing all that well when he was able to play, and I know he's been banged up and and dealing with with the, the foot uh, issue. I like Trey Galloway. I think last year's role for him was perfect. You know, he's the fourth or fifth option on the floor. He can guard. He, he can get to the rim. He plays incredibly hard. I'd take him on my team any day. But if you're asking him to be the best guard on the floor for Indiana, that, that's a problem. The lack of three-point shooting is, is really eye-opening because I grew up in this state. You know, I, I understand that there are probably – Every fan that's at the game at Assembly Hall is thinking, man, we, we could go find somebody at Bloomington South High School that could make a three <laughs> because I, I know that that's the mentality that people that live in the state of Indiana have. Everyone can shoot. So the, the lack of three-point shooting is, is really, really eye-opening. Defensively, I don't think that they're, they're very good. You know, they've really regressed uh, from what they were two years ago. They, they, they have a lot of problems. But I think that their roster makeup is, is just poor. And you look at who they took in the portal this year. You get Mackenzie Mbako late after he decommits from Duke. He's a 3-4. You bring in Khalil Ware. All right, really talented. He can stretch it, even though it's low volume. But you see how maybe with his skill he can play next to Renew. But then you get Peyton Sparks and Anthony Walker. And it's like, well, why, why aren't there any guards brought in? Um, you know, they, they must have really believed that, that Gabe Cubs could, could give backup minutes and that Xavier Johnson would return to what we saw two years ago. But I, I think that this is something that with the portal, the good news for Indiana is you can flip this quickly, but you're going to have to take a hard look, I think, if you're Mike Woodson, into how you're constructing your roster. They need a point guard, and they need skill on the floor. And it'll be interesting to see who's back, whether if, if Renew or Mbako. I think Khalil Ware is probably going to be a first-round pick, so he's probably gone. But – you're going to have to really get some skill on the floor because right now it, it's not it's not acceptable for what Indiana's I would say tradition and, and history say that that basketball program is. You will hear that voice. You will see the face as well. Robbie Hummel tonight on the call for Purdue and Rutgers from Mackey Arena. Robbie, appreciate it. Travel safely. All right. No problem. Thanks, guys. Uh, Robbie Hummel from the Big Ten Network. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
This is Instant Replay. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Phone issues at different times this morning. Did a little AT&T carrier issue, but uh, Scott Agnes has rejoined us here. Before we get to Scott, I don't know, Scott's probably a good person to chime in on this. Um, got a message here from a fan that is heading to the game tonight. Just bought three tickets to see Caitlin Clark in Bloomington in Section F, that is Lower Bowl, um, $208 for three tickets. Oh, three for 208? Three for 208. Okay, that's not terrible. I mean, so, it's a lot of money, but that's better than 208 a piece. Scott, are them. you um are you an IU season ticket holder? Is that correct? Uh, in the family, yes. Do did you have access so men's basketball tickets? Did you have access to try and buy IU Iowa women's tickets? Uh there already have season tickets, so um, Got it. Because if you didn't know, those helped your point system for men's basketball just like football does gotcha 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 interesting yeah i mean selfishly i was kind of hoping that would fall on a night where you didn't have um pacers in action (laughs) purdue back in action all of that again scott agnes from fieldhouse files scott let's begin with all-star weekend the favorite thing you saw and what issues did you hear from fans all-star game weekend wise yeah favorite thing had to be thursday night and no surprise it was the pacers doing um because everything else about this last week was the NBA fans may not realize, but like it is truly an NBA event. They have NBA events. People here two weeks leading up to the event. They've come in and check in months on end leading up to it. But Thursday night was all Pacers doing as they tried to kind of establish something new, much like uh, Indy did with the zip line and Georgia street and all of that to set a new standard. This is what the Pacers did. And there was a tip off party at Bicentennial Unity Plaza, just north of the field house. And I thought it was so incredibly well done. It, it touched all the right notes, both um, getting you hyped for the weekend, setting the tone for that. You have two stars and Mike Epps, the comedian actor, and then Tamika Ketchings, Hall of Famer, uh, MC the whole thing. Uh, my favorite part personally was when they brought out any player that had that was in attendance that had been there, and there were about two dozen roughly. Um, and, I mean – it was just an incredible sight in the memories that came racing back to you, I think, when this all went on. And then to top it off, they hinted at a major uh, you know, performance musically, and it was T-Pain. And I thought he was fantastic for 10 to 15 minutes. And then to top it all off, which surprised me, I still have no idea how Doug Weikamp and all of them over there did this, but they blew, uh, threw up fireworks right there. Uh, on the right by the field house, um, and I thought it was spectacular. So to me, it was Thursday night and all the Pacers doing. That was my favorite. And then on the flip side of that, any issues you heard from fans? You know, we had Chris sure. Ball on from Visit Indy yesterday. And guys, refresh my memory. Chris mentioned some of the long lines at U- Ubers the, at the convention yeah. center and then just some ride-sharing stuff. So getting into the crossover event, some longer <clears> lines, and then ride-sharing you know, having specific kind of zones for that would be an area for improvement. Anything else that you heard from fans? For sure, yeah. There, there was definitely some negatives, starting with kind of the weather, how it disrupted everything. Um, they, they planned for some bad weather. I don't think anybody expected anything like we got, whatever. I think that was Friday, uh, where the steps at Lucas Oil Stadium, I was walking down slowly and gripping onto the, the guardrail or whatever, a handle rail. Uh, it was that slick. Um, so that was a concern. Uh, the long lines at the convention center, certainly on Saturday and Sunday, um, they, the convention space was twice the size of what they did last year in Salt Lake City. 
And inside, it was packed. It was busy. So I felt like that was more of an organizational issue and, and getting um, individuals in and out because there was only one entrance. I think that's something they should consider doing differently. Um, was It seemed like you had to enter, exit, and a special VIP entrance were all in the same spot, also where you bought tickets. So it was just congested. Uh, a negative side, too, was also when you're trying to walk maybe from the convention center south to Lucas Oil Stadium. There's that underground tunnel. Well, that was closed off for NBA personnel only. Uh, and so that forced everyone, media included, to go outside. Uh, I think that's something that, that could have been approved upon. Um, so there were a lot of great things, but I think all those things I touched on, plus the traffic grid within like two or three blocks, um, maybe that's unavoidable, just the sheer numbers that were downtown. You're talking 100 to 125,000 additional people. Um, but otherwise, I would say it was a, a rather successful weekend for everyone involved. Again, he is Scott Agnes. You see his work over on Fieldhouse Files. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, we saw the NBA announce that Sunday, the All-Star game itself, um, up 14%. That's the lead item. If you read the fine print, it's the second least watched All-Star game in history. Then I saw yesterday that Saturday night over at Lucas Oil, the dunk contest three-point, Steph versus Sabrina, et cetera, et cetera. That was the most watched Saturday night ever. Did you see? I, I didn't like find many other details besides that. I just saw the headline. Is that, I guess, right? Uh, I feel like so. Let me let me see if I can pull that email up here um, that I got from all that. But here here's my generic thing when it comes to all these ratings. They keep changing the way in way which they've captured. And I don't think anybody truly has a good grasp of what these ratings mean, right? The big thing in the last couple of years, KB, has been the, uh, the out-of-home rating was also included in all that, which basically means you're going to get an automatic spike on all the numbers over the last couple of years. So um, it, it's very hard for me, even as a casual viewer who tries to study some of this, to make sense of what it actually means, was it really up, um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is just so many of the bundles, right, for the weekend. So you had, I think, for Saturday night that you referenced, I think TBS was also broadcasting it along with TNT. And, and, and then you can also stream it on, on HBO Max. It maybe was available on Bleach Report. So it's also available on so many different platforms that help shape that number. Um, so it's, it's hard to really get a strong read on where that's out. They put it out at 11.6 million unique viewers. Uh, which I would say that seems good, um, considering I thought it'd be more like four, five, six million. Um, that's it mentioned the game average five point five million viewers uh, up last year. So uh, I'm kind of indifferent on this, I guess, is what I'm getting at here, KB. Just because I feel like I've never trusted ratings. This goes back a couple decades. Like I've never been, you know, uh, carrying around one of those old school. Uh, reporter things that keeps track of what I'm viewing. Um, I'm very skeptical about them, but if they say they're up, I, I take it with a grain of salt here. Tucking some Pacers All-Star Weekend and everything else. Scott Agnes with us here. Fieldhouse Files. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We already know for tonight Aaron Neesmith uh, is going to be out. Who do you think starts and rotation-wise, how do you think him being out changes things up tonight and maybe a few games down the road here? Yeah, it, it would seem that he's going to miss a short amount of time. Um, all The biggest update we got, which I included in my story, was from Rick Carlisle's segment uh, right here on your guys' show. So I thought that's where we got kind of the most thorough update 
Um, it kind of resembled what they said about Tyrese Halliburton. I thought that, hey, we thought it was going to be way worse. We're glad he's in good shape. It's going to miss. He's going to miss some time. Um, but we initially thought it was really bad. So that suggests to me that it's probably a couple week type injury. And now, moving forward, you could go a, a, several different ways. I think you could go with Matherin. Uh, you could try to throw Doug McDermott out there. I think Matherin probably seems to me to be the most likely candidate. Um, especially coming off his big weekend that he had in Indy this past weekend. By the way, in this game, too, that would make it all more fun, too, because of the little back and forth oh, yeah. that I think will mm-hmm. always be there between <laughs> Matherin and Jaden Ivey. I, I was talking with um, Ivy afterwards, and he was like, yep, not surprised at all with that competitiveness. I like it, but nope, that, that's just him. I don't mind the talk. And, and I don't know if viewers or your listeners knew this. Jaden had no clue that Matherin was mic'd up. So when Matherin was talking all that, right, saying, you can't guard me, you can't guard me, and we could all hear on the broadcast, uh, Jaden was not aware that it was going out to everyone like that. So I thought that was noteworthy. Yeah, we almost need Bally to have a side camera tonight with Matherin and Ivy at all times. Again, Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Uh, Scott, national TV announcement yesterday by the NBA, Pacers, Pelicans flex to ESPN. They removed um, the Grizzlies T-Wolves off of that. Remind me again, this is relatively new, right? The flexing of these kind of late season games. Because, I mean, honestly, I think the Pacers might be a candidate for, you know, some other games just considering with, you know, the in-season tournament and, you know, obviously Tyrese Halliburton's presence. Yeah, that's one of the, the, the main things I think you'll see is here late in the season is in, for the Pelicans, too, with Zion, they're always a, an attraction, right? Um, one of the big things they added in the last couple of years was more so, I think, for that Saturday night game, which was uh, after uh, college football. So after the college football season, you had that Saturday game to flex in. I believe they've been flexing these kind of late season dates for at least a, at least several years. Um, but it makes all too much sense because it's hard to prog- prognosticate, you know, back in August. You know, what are the Lakers going to look like? What right. are the Knicks going to look like? So your automatic teams. And then on top of that, you'll have a couple surprises. Maybe Miami has a good year. Maybe they don't. And so this is a perfect situation considering how, how Memphis has had an awful year and so many injuries um, that says, yeah, we're good. Let's rather show uh, two more impressive teams. And so uh, that was updated a couple days ago, which is a great addition because this becomes the Pacers' second nationally televised game if you don't include the in-season tournament again before the season the Pacers for the third straight year were given just one national two tv game so this becomes number two and it becomes their first at home this season Scott Agnes with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one for me, Scott. I'm just interested in you following this team for, for many years, um, whether it be our air, the Indy Star, a couple different other places. Jermaine O'Neal in town. Jermaine O'Neal opening up about his time as a pacer, um, obviously opening up about the, uh, the, you know, the fight there, the malice in the palace. What do you make of his relationship with the pacers and kind of what he's been through for the better part of 20 years, separating himself from basketball and now coming back around. I think a lot of people uh, were happy to see him back in town this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And the growing sentiment um, from fans, too, is, hey, we want to see Danny Granger. Where's he at? Uh, he was one of the, the the key figures during a run, kind of right after the brawl uh, years, that held the franchise up until Paul George and, and kind of he kind of took the mantle um and became the face of the Pacers there. And so that's one guy a lot of fans would like to see. I, my one disappointment, if anything, guys, during All-Star break, 
or All-Star Weekend was the lack of uh, accessibility trying to get to so many of these alumni. I would have loved to caught up with many different ones, but sure. there just wasn't an obvious chance there. We did get Reggie Miller in a hotel ballroom for about 40 minutes, uh, which was fantastic. And the trouble, as you would imagine, is there's just so much going on. You don't have time to get to all of it uh, with just event after event. So there's still uh, kind of that Q&A to come that I'll be writing. But in terms of J.O.'s relationship, yeah, it's, it's you could you could always tell, not Rocky, but there was always something more there. Uh, I think it, uh, it's improved, certainly, with Ron Artest, Metal World Peace over the years. Um, something very special happened Thursday night um, at the, the Commission Row, and that's where they had an alumni party for everyone that was in town, and that was uh, kind of before that, I think it was before that tip-off party right outside. And Donnie Walsh was there. So many of these alums are there, which was spectacular because uh, I think over the last couple of years, we've seen the Pacers make a pointed effort to get their alumni more involved. You're seeing them wish them happy birthday on social media, just little things like that. Roy Hibbert uh, was involved during opening night. I I think he he did the rev it up, for example. So many little things like that. And in terms of J.O., there will always be kind of that black mark over um, the group that was involved in that team. And and talking with J.O. a couple years ago when he was back here, uh, for what was the first time in a while, you could tell he had more to say. And so that's why he worked and tried to get that Netflix documentary up because he felt so much of the coverage and everything was just so one-sided, the harsh penalty from David Stern and such. So he worked tirelessly on that, trying to show separate interviews and trying to say, hey, look, um, during like the deposition or whatever, like they weren't showing the the security footage. But guess what? I have all the security footage. So I, I think that's something he's had to wrestle with for the last couple of decades since it's happened is clearing his name a little bit. Um, but here in Indy, he should realize like he is so appreciated, probably not to the, like he said, even to the extent that he deserves. Um, I, I, you know, there hadn't been a banner uh, and a number retired mm-hmm. up top in, in, in years outside of Tamika Catchings on the women's side. Um, you start to wonder is, should there be a, another one? Some might say you go back retroactively and add uh, a couple names from decades in the past, yet at the same time, I just want to make sure J.O. gets his due because he was one of the best players during his time. I think he finished MVP second uh, one year. And so I hope they're making amends a little bit here um, because he definitely deserves his due. Scott, uh, we only got about a minute left, but uh, it sounds like the latest updates on Scott Pollard and his heart transplant continue to be positive. Yeah. That, again, another underrated story um, that came out of All-Star Weekend because it was going on simultaneously. I'm glad you asked. And I appreciate his wife, Don Pollard, who's been providing social media media updates uh, across the board. But apparently he's moved off of ICU-4. Uh, in the last couple of days, he's gotten on walks outside. He's seen the sunlight for the first time in three weeks. I don't think people understand how, how bad a shape he was. Like, he couldn't walk. I think like 20 or 50 feet without stopping to get a breath. Um, so fortunately he was finally able to get that heart transplant and seems to be doing well, according to his wife. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Great to hear that. Cause certainly a scary, scary situation for him. Scott, great stuff all weekend long, man. I know it was super busy for you. Uh, you're outstanding per usual with your all-star coverage. And uh, as always, thank you for the time, man. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant Replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay. Today on Query and Company. Last night, that Indiana game was kind of like the ending of The Sopranos. All of a sudden, like, the, the game ended, and you sat there, and you thought to yourself, what the hell just happened? I could have sworn I was watching the game, and, and they're down 20. Living in a lonely world, Jake. Now, this is the perfect – our next guest is perfect, and I'll tell you why. Because we're doing group therapy for Indiana fans today. And it, now, I don't know because we're landlocked inside here in our studio, but when I came in, at least today, it was a little bit overcast, right? Th- this next guest, just when he talks – it, it uh, immediately illuminates sunshine through your car radio or in this studio or whatever else. It's just one of those guys that you're like, this guy's never had a bad day. Always in a good mood, constant energy. And Bruce Weber joins us on the program, who last night on the Big Ten Network. And, and Coach, I've got to admit, I've always thought of you as this eternal optimist. And at halftime of the Indiana game last night, I could sense that you were also thinking to yourself, like, something just seems off here. Did I tr- did I read that correctly through my television screen? If if you were a, a Husker fan, it was that you were you were very positive. Obviously, if you're a Hoosier fan, uh, it was a really bad start uh, start to the game. Their energy at home, uh, you know, and and it's it's a fact how much struggles Nebraska's had on the road, and it you know they just jumped on them and just I don't know what it was, but. This, it seems to be a trend for the Hoosiers not to get off to great starts. And then there's a sense of urgency in the second half. And then it just, this time, you know, when you got to come back from 20, it's so hard. And then everything's got to go perfect. And sooner or later, you know, Nebraska just made a couple plays that got it back. And then you kind of, when you make those big comebacks, you get to that point and then you just kind of lose your energy again. And so it's, uh, a little bit surprising, especially how the game went. Coach, when you were coaching, Bruce Weber is our guest joining us on the program here. When you were coaching, was there ever a season at any of your stops along the way where you felt like either you as a head coach or maybe when you were an assistant, like as a staff, where you had lost your team? Was there ever a year where you just thought to yourself, I just think it's too far gone? Well, I think there's always moments in the season when you lose them and then you have to get them back. And I mean, it's just part of it. It's the ups and downs of seasons. It's it's basketball. So it is a long season. Um, it it takes a toll on the kids, especially when you lose. And and that's it's so important. One of my former managers, grad assistants, called the other day, and uh, he just said, "Coach, we just lost two in a row on the road. What do we do?" And I said, "Go play wiffle ball. Go play dodgeball. You know, do something. Just have fun." You you know because that that mental grind. It's I talked to Rafael Davis about it all the time, and he said, "Coach, you shouldn't be tired as a a player. You only play thirty some games. They cut back practice, but I think it's not the physical tired. It's more the mental tired, and the grind of it uh, just kind of takes a toll. Uh, and you heard I don't know if you heard Fred Hoiberg after the game. I I kind of joked early. When you start losing on the road all the time, Coach Katie, I did all the travel plans. We stayed at every hotel in Bloomington. We ate at every different restaurant. You know, we'd left early. We'd left late. We tried everything to try to get wins. 
And, uh, you know, Fred said that they did meditation yesterday during the day. And I don't know if that was the difference, if that was the difference or not. But it definitely was, you know, it, it made a difference for them, you know, and they obviously got the win. Well, did you feel like the reason I asked is because from the Indiana standpoint, and look, I, I like Fred Hoiberg a great deal. I mean, all the way back to his playing days here, and I think he's you know clearly a, a really good coach, and, and I like the way Nebraska plays. From the Indiana standpoint, does, did that look to you like a team coach, quite frankly, that maybe not for the full season in totality, but last night did it look like a team that in fact was one where the coaching staff has lost them? They definitely did not have energy from the beginning. I don't know about it. Coaches lost them. You know, sometimes, and, and Rayfield talked about this last night, it, 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 a lot of times people blame the coaches. It, sometimes the players got to stand up, and they got to, you know, make a decision. And, um, you know, it, it's been a disappointing season for them. And, they're you know, it, it's easy to look at them, you know, from the free throws to struggles, the three-point struggles. Um, you know, those are two obvious things. And they don't have a true point guard, an experienced you know point guard, and that it makes a difference. And and it's really been Nebraska's problem on the road. And and last night uh, Lawrence just stepped up. You know when you get to those gut check times of the game, you've got to have a guy that can go make a play. It helps you get through and find a way to win games. And and they don't have that. So I think it's all added up to their struggles this year. Um, you know, I, I renew has been unbelievable. Uh, I think he's probably his most improved player in the league from my viewpoint. How much strides he made, where has been, you know, pretty good for them. And uh, Galloway puts a lot on his shoulders, and I think it takes a toll on them as they go. And, and Baco is, is a really talented guy, but you still don't have that point guard. I think that's what they're really missing. And, and if they had that, they, it would their season would be totally different, to be honest, in my opinion. The coach, Bruce Weber, nice enough to take some time with us. Bruce, when I look at Indiana, I look at a program that was in the depths of hell before Tom Crean was able to resurrect things and, and put the program back on a better path. Felt like they needed to make a change there. They had reached the ceiling with him. They go with Archie Miller. They don't make the tournament during his tenure. And they go back to a, an old Indiana familiar face that they hope is able to turn the program around in Mike Woodson. And we know the rest, two tournament appearances and then this year has been a struggle for them, and I'm with you. I think guard play is seriously inhibiting their ability for guys like Ware, Renew, and Baco to shine the way that Mike Woodson likely envisioned that, but ultimately it rests on him for why they don't have the proper guards in there. And when I look at Indiana, I see a program without clear lights at the end of the tunnel. When you as a national pundit now look at Indiana what do you see as your perception of the program as a whole and the program moving forward? Well, obviously, you know, what Coach Woodson has done to get him back in the tournament, you know, obviously it helped to have Trace Jackson Davis, uh, you know, and that you can jump on his back, and they did. And, and if the, you know, if they had Hood Trefino this year, they'd be a really good, pro, uh, really good program again. I think that in this day and age, you can turn it around so quick uh, we were talking about it in the studio last night. If they can keep, you know, I don't know if they can keep Mbako, you know, but if, if you keep wear and, and renew and they're not, you know, the NBA says they're not ready and you can just find a, they probably need a couple guards. Uh, 
you know, they need a, a, a veteran guard that they could get in the portal, which makes it easy. You know, with this new portal rules, it makes it easier. And then probably a, a younger guard to help them and that they can keep in the program. I think that's a key moving forward for you've got to have some guys coming up developing, but you also got to continue to add guys in the portal. So I think, it, you know, obviously it wasn't the season that, you know, all who's your fans hope. And, you know, as an outside person, you, you kind of wondered. I, I kept looking at it, you know, and I had them early against Moorhead State. I was like, man, can they make a, get over the hump without these guards and with the shooting woes. And, you know, but with the new way college basketball is, you can change your roster pretty quickly. And, and if he can find the right guys, um, you know, and they, and they keep the right people with them, they could be a – you know, back in that top part of the league again next year. Their freshman guard in Gabe Cups has been asked to do a lot beyond his years due to the situation that was presented to him. He is likely going to be a piece of this roster next season. What do you see when you look at the freshman Gabe Cups? Well, yeah, and there's no doubt what you said. When you ask a freshman to do what he's had to do, and, and I think that's the mental part. You know, you, you saw it last year with the Purdue guards. It, and they, they, it just takes a toll on you. The season does, and then a lot is asked of you, and, and it's, it makes it harder and harder. He's, a, you know, obviously coming from his family, you know, the dad is a coach. He knows basketball. He loves it. Uh, I Actually, Troy Lewis, uh, our former player at Purdue, was assistant coach for his, uh, you know, for him, for Gabe's program in, in Ohio. And uh, Troy just raves about his work ethic, how he gets up early and works at his game, how he loves it. And I think he's a guy that could make a big jump just to get to from that, get over that wall from freshman to sophomore year, be a light at the end of the tunnel, your body improves, the ball, the game moves at a different speed. I think he can make some nice strides for them. Coach, I got to admit, I grew up, Bruce Weber is our guest from the Big Ten Network. I, I grew up, as I've talked about on this show in Indianapolis, as a big Indiana basketball fan. And every year when IU and Purdue play. You didn't like me at all, did you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. This is the thing. And this is what actually this is where I dislike now. I, I finally I dislike you and Troy Lewis because I realized that I never should have disliked you to begin with because Troy Lewis was actually a guy coach growing up as an IU fan and a Purdue hater. I couldn't help but like Troy Lewis. You know what I mean? Like he just that dude was just good and he seemed like a good dude and it was like, man, I kind of want to root for this guy. Kind of made me mad to be yes. honest with you, you know? Yeah, there's no doubt and Troy it was so nice. I, I I talked to Matt Painter last week. They honored Troy at the Indiana game, you know, did the Bible bobblehead and um, got his, you know, jersey up there and all. It was so well-deserved, and, and he is such a good young man. The first thing Matt Painter, he texted me after when I, I texted him about some stuff, he just said, Troy is such a good dude, and and he is. He's just a good, good-natured person, and he loved – his time at Purdue, and he still loves Purdue, and he loves coaching and helping young men. And just as an assistant, he's got a regular job. It's just kind of a hobby for him. So, uh, you know, and that's why he was so good and so much fun to coach. And a really good player, no doubt about it. Speaking of Purdue, Bruce Weber, our guest, uh, last night they got some help in the form of Penn State with a furious comeback against Illinois. You were in the booth, for, the, or, you know, in the studio, I should say, for that game as well. Did the end of that game and the resiliency of Penn State tell us more about Penn State and where they are trying to round things out or more about Illinois? Well, you know, it it 
a little bit of both, I think. There's no doubt. His coach Rhodes has got those guys to be resilient, and he lets them play. And I think at times it hurts them because they're a little loose and free. But then at other times in that situation, it was obviously very helpful. And and then Purdue or Illinois, it showed their, it exposed their weaknesses, uh, the guard play, getting after them. Uh, you know, they had trouble bringing it up. Even sometimes they beat the press. It looked really shaky, and then it finally caught up with them. Uh, and then. You know, they've allowed a lot of points. Illinois has a lot, a lot of points on the road. And, you know, last night it was 90. And in the three games before, I think I talked about it at the pregame, it was 81 points a game. And that's a lot of points to give up. Um, and it, so that kind of exposed them. And if you have a big guy, Wahab early can take it to Coleman Hawkins. But and the same token, Illinois is hard to guard. Uh, Shannon Downhill is, is really, really good. Um, you know, uh, Damask is good. Uh, Gary A is good. I thought their bench last night, I thought Coach Underwood used them a lot more, and, and they actually produced for them. And, you know, they could be a team in, in the tournament that, it, again, things click their way in the right matchups. They could, they could be last in a couple weekends. There's no doubt. Coach, when you look at Purdue, obviously Purdue's tremendous, and their resume is just incredible in what they've done outside of the conference and even in Big Ten play. But as I was watching, and I want your coaching perspective on this, as I was watching the Ohio State game, I kind of had this dichotomy of emotion watching Purdue, and 50% of it was, hey, this is Ohio State kind of getting some energy off of you know the turmoil of the week, and these things happen. And then the other 50% of it was, gosh, is this Purdue starting to tense up and hearing the whispers of all of the narrative about the March shortcomings coming into play and causing them to tighten? Is the latter part of that a legitimate concern? I don't know if it's a tighten. I, I, I really thought the last couple of weeks they've started to slip a little bit. And Rafael and I have talked about it in, the, you know, just – not just on the air, but in the studio and stuff. And you know, we have a lot of time watching those games. But I, I thought, you know, Northwestern could have had them at home. Minnesota pushed them, you know, at home. And and they, you could just feel it. They were getting close. Um, and and even Indiana, they, I didn't think they played great in that game. They played good, but not great. And and allowed Indiana to kind of hang in there when they you know, could have put the foot on the gas and, and really got that thing to a, a big blowout. But uh, I felt it slipping, and, you know, now we will see. Was that a wake-up call uh, for Purdue? Are they, you know, did they get, does that game get their attention? Or does it get them, like you said, does it get them tight? And now they start, you know, they were playing so confident, free and loose, what, a night in a row or whatever it was. Um, you know, and now, you know, now is there a, was it getting a little lackadaisical, or is it what you talked about? Is it time getting late? They're starting to think about it, getting that exposure. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see a lot tonight because uh, that game, uh, Rutgers, their style of play is the one that, you know, Matt has struggled with a little bit and their team has struggled with as of late. So, and Rutgers, other than that loss in Minnesota, they've been as hot as anybody. So, uh you know, if Purdue can stand up and they get their attention and make a nice run tonight, you'll know that they're for real and they're going to continue moving in a positive direction this next few weeks. Would it behoove Bruce Weber for Purdue at this point 
to maybe you know Fletcher Lawyer. It seems like has kind of hit that that wall again. Uh, Mason Gillis is obviously kind of their Swiss Army. Would it be smart of Purdue to make the change to give a jolt in terms of their lineup by putting Gillis into a starting lineup and pulling Lawyer out, or is it too late in the year to kind of start tinkering with stuff? Yeah, I think you can. I don't know if you need to tinker with it, but I and Matt's done it now. You're going to have to just be confident that if he can't guard or do what he needs to do, you're just going to have to play the other guys and have confidence. He's got, you know, obviously Lance Jones has done an unbelievable job. He still has Ethan Morton who can come off the bench and give them minutes, and you got Gillis, and you know, so I, I you know, he's just going to have to do a good job of rotating him if if it's not the right day for Fletcher. You, you know, it's it's you got to get him out and let the other guys make those plays. I think with Fletcher, I don't know if he's hit a wall again, but what happens in as the league goes on and you get to know people, they start exposing them, and now they start thinking. And I you talked to, I talked about Gabe Cups before. You start thinking about it, it overwhelms you and the things you can't do. And I think that's what happened with Fletcher Lawyer because everyone's bringing it up. Oh, you, he doesn't guard well enough and. So when you start thinking about that, it takes a toll on him, you know, on him, and and then obviously there's some doubt then in your mind, and so we'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, if Fletcher can stand up and have a good little run here. It would be nice for him and for their team. Big Ten Network's Bruce Weber joins us, Bruce. As media members, and obviously you're you're part of this now, have been for quite some time, but as media members, we're needed to react on a nightly basis to how this push towards March Madness unfolds. And in Purdue's case, they, you know, it's a good place to be, right? You're battling for which number one seed are you going to get? Are you going to be the top overall seed? Are you going to be a number one of of a lesser caliber? We know the NCAA tournament itself is a crapshoot, and it all depends on what the draw holds for you in the road to making a Final Four, which is very tough. For Purdue... Do we overreact to the thought of them potentially missing out on the top overall seed? Like, how much does that matter from a coach's perspective, that little advantage of knowing, in theory, you get the easier side of the bracket as a number one? I I don't think it's a big deal, to be honest. Um, You know, it's nice. It's great for the fans. It's great for the media. something to talk about. Uh, but at the same time, as a, as a coach, if you're a one seed, you're a one seed, and and now you just got to take care of business. And, and again, matchups uh, are so important. You know, can they? Does these do these teams do things that you struggle with? Can they and and produce? You know, uh, in their situation, do they have somebody that post traps? A team that post traps? Do they have guards that have good quickness? and can get after you? Do they have guards that have a wiggle and can get by you with the dribble? You know, those are the things. So if they hit those teams, that's where you're going to worry a little bit. Uh, if it's a straight-up basketball team, Matt Painter's team and Matt Painter, they're going to win the game, I promise you. But if you got somebody who can do a little something different, those are the teams they struggle with. All right, lastly, Coach, give me the Big Ten team not named Illinois or Purdue heading down the home stretch and into the Big Ten tournament that – you kind of have one eye on it and say, you know, nobody's talking about it, but they're starting to really show themselves and come together where they might be able to kind of play a Cinderella in the in the conference tournament. That team is who? Well, I, I would give you two, uh, Rutgers and Minnesota. Those both teams, and, and Ben Johnson's done an unbelievable job. Um, 
keeping those guys at task. I, you know, the way they beat Rutgers the other night, they they look for real. And because they've had, they've had, if they wouldn't have lost that lead to Iowa, if they wouldn't have lost the lead to Missouri, you would be talking about them on the major part of the bubble. Um, and you know, it's just, but they they're going to have to overcome a few things. Um, I think Rutgers is, you know, with the addition of Williams, and they've seen the kind of figured some things out. They play so hard. They rebound. Uh, if they make shots, they could go on a run. Uh, you know, so – and then I, I guess one more I'd give you is Iowa. And, you know, their resilience and losing games and that, to come back and play like they did at Michigan State, that that was impressive. So I think those those three teams are teams you could kind of watch – and and we talk about it in studio all the time. Is there somebody that's going to make a run? There's always somebody that steps up and makes a run here down the stretch. And those were the, those would be the three I think would have, maybe have that chance that you're maybe not talking about. And one of those three, of course, in West Lafayette tonight, talking about Purdue. Well, Rutgers taking on Purdue at Mackey. Coach, we appreciate the time as always, and certainly look forward to talking to you again. Very good, thank you. Uh, all Bruce, the best, Bruce Weber, one of the best. Uh, from the Big Ten Network. Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.